0: episode two of season two. We are off and running as the semester kicks off, and I'm thrilled to be joined this afternoon by 2020 Notre Dame grad and in-the-corner superfan Johnny Link. Johnny, thanks so much for making time to speak with us today.
1: Oh, absolutely. Thanks for having me. I'm uh, I'm pumped. I am, as you said, number one fan of the podcast, as, as much as you'd like to think that there are other contenders for that. Um, but no, very excited to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: And so you are the first person to record an interview on a weekend. You are also the first person to be dating someone who is previously interviewed. That second fact could add a little bit of pressure. How are you feeling about that?
1: I, I guess I should have known that this would come up. So thanks for uh, starting us off hot here. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, definitely high pressure. Sid did a great job in her interview, tried to get as many tips from, from her as possible, but, um, as you know, I think this will this will be a little bit better. But... <laughs> um,
0: so you compete your freshman year, you're pretty raw, and you end up losing a split decision to the guy who goes on to win your weight class. Sophomore year, you've made some improvements, a lot of them under the radar to the coaches, and you make a run to the finals, losing a competitive bout to a senior captain. You go abroad spring of junior year and miss Bengal Bout season. You've got one shot left. Tell me about that experience and what your mindset was like entering senior year.
1: Um, Yeah, so I was definitely really nervous coming back. Um, I think the nerves were sort of twofold. Like you said, I went abroad. um, So I didn't really think that I would be asked to be one of the captains since I wasn't really around as a junior and even as a freshman and a sophomore, I don't really think I was the uh, the best team player, if you will. I was mostly concerned with like my own development, going into the gym for my own time. I'm not really socializing a whole lot with some of the coaches and captains as you sort of referenced. So as much as I wanted to be a captain, I didn't necessarily think I deserved it. So coming back, like my nerves were sort of uh, in two buckets. On one hand, I wanted to win, as you said, I got so close sophomore year took a year off and I was really nervous about having one more shot. But I think what I was like, honestly even more nervous about was coming back and being a captain. I remember going into like the first few girls practices and like freaking out about the idea of like having to teach technique. Uh, just like, I remember like not even remembering the like feet, knees, sides, elbows, hands, chin, like mantra that we said before, like every time we get into our stance, let alone like, thinking about like how to teach a girl a hook or something like that. So I was freaking out about that. So there's so many like captain are responsibilities. Sure? Are we sure
0: that wasn't just like you being uncomfortable around women? Is that, are we, are we sure that was we're, it?
1: We're not sure. And <laughs> yeah, thanks. We can show sure all the, all your fans, your thousands of fans want us to dive into that on, on the podcast here, <laughs> but um, no, so I was, I was pumped to come back, but definitely some nerves as you, as you mentioned.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, you certainly uh, handled those nerves very well, uh, both as a captain and then as a boxer, because on the night of finals, the last thing that happens is the presentation of the Larry Ash Award, which goes to the best boxer of the tournament. What was going through your mind when you heard your name called? And what did receiving that award mean to you?
1: So you might think I'm lying, but like I literally did not cross my mind that I would ever be like even considered for that. So, you know, my story behind that is my parents were there; they flew in from New Jersey. My whole family was there. Our like closest family friends who are from the Chicago area drove up, so they were all there. And after my fight, after uh, my roommate Pat, Pat Rafferty's fight, maybe a couple more, they're like, "All right, Johnny, we're gonna head out and go to dinner." They had dinner reservations where i guess they asked me should we hang around um do you care we're gonna miss our dinner reservations and i was like oh yeah absolutely go ahead like i've got a few corners to do like I, I have stuff to do like you know you don't know any of the other boxers that are going like by all means like you're with your friends go to dinner it did not even cross my mind that like there would be this award presentation that they would have wanted to stay for That's incredible. Um, until like we were standing up there and uh as they started to announce it, like Parker started like nudging me and I was like, shut up. There's like no chance. Um, But, and and I guess part of the reason for that is you think of like who won it when I was a freshman, sophomore, junior, Considine, Gordon, and uh, McDermott, like, especially like Jack Considine as a freshman, like just thinking about him and like sort of the example he set before me was like I don't know I always looked up to him as much as like he might not even remember my name at this point like he had a huge influence on me just the way he was sort of like a servant leader for the club always just running around like you never saw him like just focused on himself and you knew he was like putting in work on the side because like every time he got in the ring he was an unbelievable boxer like winning in weight classes above where he won the year before stuff like that but point being like the people that had won it before me i just thought of as like absolute rock stars so
0: and then what was it like with those hand- I means was it was it uh, as heavy as you anticipate was it heavier i mean that thing is a for those who aren't familiar this trophy is gigantic like, what was that like when you then finally got your hands on it and they're, they're asking you to take pictures with it
1: yeah it was definitely a little heavier than i expected when it was handed to me, I was a little nervous about like you know how long I'd be able to hold it up. I didn't really know what I was supposed to do with it. I, no one was really saying anything around me, so I was just kind of like holding it, smiling, like not really sure if I was supposed to like I don't know. Didn't know what to do.
0: So how did you tell your parents then? Did you like just send a photo of you holding it? Did you like hey, by the way, you missed it, or you should come back? What was what was that conversation like?
1: Um, that's a good question. I'm I'm, I'm sure I called them immediately afterward. I, I vaguely remember just like calling my mom and dad and like you know how like they do the that big award at the end it's like I don't really know how to describe like what it's for but uh I, w- I just want it and they're like what are you kidding me like why didn't you tell us to hang, hang around um I was like it's okay and then this is actually really funny but they were really mad that we didn't get any pictures with the family like and the trophy or whatever just because that's how parents are right so my little brothers were hanging around a few days after a fight just because they were on spring break they're in high school and so mom made the four of us brothers so me chris who's at school at Notre Dame, and then the two high schoolers at the time go into the pit and we took self-timer pictures with it in the pit because she was like you need to get a photo of you and your brothers with it and I was like oh my gosh
0: Uh, Uh, that that would have been a great Link family Christmas card yeah no (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so you you won Bengal Bouts on Saturday February 29th 2020 you are riding high spring break for Notre Dame starts a week later shortly after that Campus shuts down. Do you remember what was going through your mind as you were riding this this roller coaster of emotion during that period?
1: Yeah, so I guess obviously it stunk. We were seniors, so we were we were on a, we were on spring break when you know everything was going sort of crazy. But once we got back, sort the reality started to set in, and they started to make announcements about the semester and whatnot. Obviously, everyone was super upset. Um, and there was this whole notion of, like, we feel so bad, for, like, you know, alumni pouring out their support or whatnot. Little did everyone know, like, this this year's senior class has it way worse, like my brother's class. I feel so bad for them. But honestly, like, if you had asked me in that moment and, like, even now, if there's one thing that I would have wanted to guarantee, like, for my senior year, it would be, like, a full bang about season. Just, I don't know. It was my favorite experience at Notre Dame and it's so much more than experience I got to meet so many incredible people I guess the one thing that that kind of stunk about it was you miss a lot of the closure so there's such, such a sprint going up to the tournament that there's a lot of people that I don't feel like I necessarily you know got to thank enough times or you know we didn't have the banquet where you sort of get to go you know have that closure but um so yeah
0: yeah And so you mentioned this senior class, their experience is different, and and certainly this this Bengal Bout season is going to look a lot different than previous ones. There are probably some Notre Dame freshmen who are wondering if it's even worth it um, to be part of this club. Not that that they'd be listening to this podcast, but nevertheless, uh, if you could give one piece of advice to someone who is considering joining, what would it be?
1: Yeah. So I guess one piece of advice, uh, you know, in any sort of season is just to really not be afraid to put yourself out there and to really buy in. I mentioned earlier, I was, I had somewhat of a selfish attitude. I think my freshman sophomore and junior year towards boxing, I would sort of go in, do the workout, get what I need to do done. A lot of times skip out on technique, not really like develop relationships with the people around me. Um, and so, like, when I showed up senior year, like, I, I was captain, but, like, a lot of people didn't know me. It was, like, this weird dynamic of, like, introducing myself to coaches who, like, I had never talked to, who I definitely should have. Um, so, like, buy in. Don't be worried about looking cool. You know, focus on the technique. Spar anybody. Like, I remember going into senior year being nervous about, like, what if I, like, make a fool of myself in the spar? And eventually, like, there was this turning point of like, I remember watching a, uh, I forget who it was, but it was a UFC, like a YouTube video online. And it kills me that I can't remember the, uh, who the fighter was, because I'm sure you would love to know too, but it was one of those guys that works out of one of those huge gyms like att in florida or something where there's just all kinds of championship talent around them and he just was talking about like every day we come in here like sometimes we lose sometimes we win but like at the bottom line is we're like challenging ourselves by like fighting like the most uh talented people we can find even if that means losing more times than we win so like just putting that ego aside and be willing to put yourself out there lose some spars spar some guys that you're afraid of because like in the end it'll, it'll pay off
0: yeah, I think that's, um, that's absolutely right on the money. And this, um, this I guess, kind of relates to what I had next in mind to, to ask you about. We often talk uh, about the, the man in the arena from Teddy Roosevelt's famous speech where uh, those who haven't had the experience of uh, trekking over to the pit each day, putting in the work, crossing through the ropes and having a light shine on them – they can find it difficult to fully appreciate everything that leads up to and and goes into this experience. What do those who haven't experienced Bengal bouts not understand? Uh, What, what in your estimation, is the uh, biggest misconception about it?
1: I think two-part answer for me, and it might not be exactly what you're looking for with the uh, (laughs) reference to Man in the Arena, because it's less about the performance, but, uh, one is the, the the importance of the fundraising and how much it means to the club and the members of the club. Um, there's some guys that, that don't fight, but they care so much about the fundraising and they pour their heart into that. And then there's guys that care a lot about both. Um, and then two, I would say, is sort of the dynamic between the Bagel Bouts Club and Brockabouts. A lot of people on campus or elsewhere sort of think about it as uh, – like Bengalouts and like oh the girls version of Bangle bouts or whatever it could not be more inaccurate of a portrayal of the brother-sister dynamic that is actually at play there and like yes our club has been around for for last year was the 90th year of the Bangle bouts and they're fact check me on this they're like under 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 20 years somewhere in the, the teens i believe um but you know what they do as a club not only in terms of like helping our season um, but also like the fundraising that they do for their own missions is ridiculous. I mean, this year, again, fact check me, but like, according to I was talking to Sydney and Alexis this morning, I think they were like, their goal this year was like, $50,000 and they raised like 70, 75 before their like matching donation that they get. Like if I was a guy's captain right now, I would be freaking out about the fundraising like standard that they set with a way like smaller, younger club, and not having a season. So I um, think that's sort of a misunderstood dynamic for sure.
0: Yeah. And it's, I think that's been one of the coolest things for me coming back to Notre Dame and seeing over the last decade, just how closely the two clubs are aligned now um, and how much integration there is and how um, after Barack about season ends, how so many of the women's captains, are in the gym every day, working corners, being part of the workouts, helping out with technique. Like it's uh, – I think a lot of people wouldn't blame them if they said, well, I'm going to enjoy my, my second semester senior year, and yet they're they're putting in the work on behalf of the guys club every day. Exactly.
1: I mean, the name that comes to mind, Molly Julia, like when we would – we were training our butts off for our season in the spring, and, you know, it's easy, like you said, for a girls' captain to – check out because it's their senior spring but she was there all the time cornering training working out with us even some friday nights when she could have been elsewhere like um remarkable so
0: yeah well you know the the podcast well enough to know that it's about this point where we transition into the hot seat round and so i'm this gonna be awful I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna uh set my my timer here um and uh, start firing away with questions and uh, and uh, we'll see where this goes. All right, you re- you you ready?
1: As ready as I'll ever be.
0: All right. Favorite sport that isn't boxing. UFC. Game show you'd might my- most like to go on.
1: Uh, Jeopardy, just because I don't know what any other game shows.
0: <laughs> Least favorite boxing training exercise.
1: That's a good one uh uh feedback Uh,
0: favorite pump-up song
1: won't back down shout out matt
0: (laughs) favorite thing about your hometown
1: Ooh, breakfast sandwiches
0: would uh would you rather fight 100 duck-sized horses or one horse-sized duck
1: 100 duck-sized
0: final question um we'll make it a really easy one favorite cereal
1: oh the cracklin oat brand from the dining hall i think that's what it's called no maybe i don't know the weird dark brown squares that everyone has that no one knows where they come from or has ever seen them in a grocery (laughs) store but they're the best cereal on the planet
0: my uh my roommate and best friend from undergrad that was his favorite cereal we have it all the time um but yeah that wasn't that wasn't so bad
1: Uh, i did very well you've had some you've had some 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 guests on the podcast in the fall that, that killed that.
0: <laughs> um, I appreciated the shout out with the pump up song. Um, yeah. So one of the things that struck me, and I guess you, you've kind of alluded to this earlier, but I don't know if there's anything you wanted to expand on this, but it struck me doing these interviews is that the more a person has invested in Bengal bouts or Brock bouts, the more aware they are of things they would go back and do differently do you have any regrets about your boxing experience or things you would change? And, and I know you touched on this a little bit earlier, but I, I didn't know if there was anything you, you wanted to add there.
1: Yeah. I sort of touched on both of these things earlier, but like one would be like getting to know people more and like putting myself out there. Um, what, like, why did I wait until senior year to uh, get to know you and spend time with you? I used to just go in there, put my head down, hit the heavy bag as hard as possible and like maybe break a good sweat, but like, not actually be thinking about technique at all. Uh, I remember senior I would see like Lenny Calvo just every day after practice, he would just be like shadow boxing. And he he was so in the zone, like thinking about his technique. And I was like, no wonder he's so good. He's like actually like targeting his training towards what he wants to be better at. Uh, So just be more intentional there. But then also uh, the fundraising piece, like I was super, uh, I did the bare minimum like the first few years of bangle Bouts was always like all right it takes 500 to compete like i'll do that 10 tickets yeah i'll do that like any more tickets i sold than 10 was not because i was like trying to like raise money for the missions one of my biggest regrets and then also like not going to Bangladesh i definitely thought about applying um and the guys i know that went like Parker Reavers for example like life-changing experience remember being uh convinced by a not to be named Notre Dame employee that uh, that my summer would be better spent during my sophomore year doing um, sort of meaningless internships that looked good on a resume for my long term career than they would have been doing something more service based one uh, of the larger regrets of my life. <laughs> yeah.
0: No, I, I think that that authenticity is is really refreshing and I think it's a great reflection of how the club helps to form boxer because i think a lot of boxers would forced to admit what was going through their mind freshman year even sophomore like it was very very selfish like they wanted to compete they wanted to push (laughs) themselves like they wanted to get their hand raised, and it's easy to think, oh well, the the captains who are preaching about fundraising, how critical the missions are. It's just like they're they're a different breed. And it's like no, like this this club changes people, and and it's something that uh, it, it's been I mean just phenomenal to witness in the last ten years, a little more than ten years, like how the the emphasis is just it is so laser focused on the mission, and I think that's. Um, a reaction or the results of people buying in people like you are saying like, yeah, like this, this is something that I, uh, I'm going to throw myself into more than I had in the past. And anyway, I just, I thought that the honesty, uh, was, was phenomenal. Thanks for. One of the,
1: one of the core things about every season is once mm-hmm. the, the mobile cause website gets set up and you start to see people set up their fundraising pages and like there's this, you know, freshman who you like cornered for the other day. And like, you're like trying to remember his name. And then like, all of a sudden, like a week into fundraising, he's like top of the leaderboard. Like there's just certain random people who get so into the fundraising. And it's remarkable because like, I was never that selfless as a freshman, sophomore in the club. So that's one of my favorite parts. We started doing like top 10 Thursdays where we'd, you know, your sister helped us pull data from the development (laughs) office showing like top do- or top fundraiser by dollar amount, top fundraiser by number of donors and like top fundraiser over the past week. So who had the biggest jump um, in, in dollar amount over the past week. And that was not only a great way to incentivize it as we had like a lofty goal of raising $200,000 uh, during the 90th year, but also it was like a great way to just like recognize people on social media who like, you know, just random guys that are just popping off and fundraising during a random week But
0: um, I think it's important to alert uh, listeners right now um, that those text messages coming in are for Johnny, not me. He is far more more popular uh, than the host of this podcast. And, um, oh,
1: could you hear something?
0: Yeah, I think we could hear uh, your your couple text messages coming. I know you've got many many adoring. Sorry about that. Social media presence. It's it's synonymous with Johnny Link. So. I- <laughs> It wouldn't be a Saturday during boxing season without um, a little, little bit of banter, <laughs> and um, and so I, I've been thinking, um, or I, I should say, I've found that the support people show boxers can arrive in a variety of forms. It's a friend who waits to eat dinner because he knows his buddy won't get home from the gym until late, and everyone else have eaten. It's a family member. Who sends a care package with a note saying, Don't open until after Waynes, I don't want you to be tempted. It's a teammate who rushes back after his own bout, boxing trunks and hand wraps still on, so that he can watch a friend's fight. Is there someone who supported you in an unexpected way during Bangle Bouts? So
1: there's two people immediately come to mind. One would be, and I guess this isn't super unexpected because he's one of my closest friends, but Pat Rafferty was um, one of my roommates uh, senior year, one of my best friends. And he was sort of like the guy that I started going to practice with from freshman year on his older brother, Luke was in the club and a bunch of Luke's friends uh, did it. So it was like natural for them to like convince us to come out to practice. And so just like having that one guy that you go through it with for all four years, I guess, skip the junior year when we were abroad, but, you know, especially senior year when all of our friends were going out and stuff, spring semester, like we would stay in, you know, go to practice together, watch a movie, something like that. Um, and then the second person would be uh, Taylor Vucinich, which I, I guess would be slightly more uh, unexpected. We, we were, weren't were really, we were friendly, but not, not friends. Uh, I think you would agree um, going into senior year, one of those guys I never really got to know because uh, I didn't talk to anybody, but um, he he very quickly became one of my closer friends in the club and outside, and just, so he, for those who don't know, he was injured um, and was not able to participate his senior year, but that guy was at every single practice, every single day, he poured his heart into the club, even though he knew he couldn't compete, and there were certain people that he helped a ton, and one of them was me, and just the amount of time and energy he invested into my development and just even just like hanging out with me, um, was, was amazing. So I can't be thankful enough uh, for that.
0: Building off of that question. One of the many great things about Bengal Bouts is the way in which it brings boxers together and forges relationships. Uh, you mentioned with Pat Raff, you mentioned Taylor over the course of the boxing season, you, and uh, you mentioned him earlier, the president of Bengal Bouts, Parker, developed an extremely close friendship. Now the two of you are both great guys, but it's funny that dispositionally as boxers, you two are pretty different. You look at Parker and he's stone faced, just the absolute embodiment of stoicism. With you, any observer could see that energy is coursing through your body and is waiting to be unleashed. I'd love to hear a little bit about your friendship that formed through boxing and how it started and, and why it blossomed.
1: Yeah, no, I love that you're asking that question because uh, I would hate if we didn't get to mention Parker Reavers on this, uh, this podcast. But um, yeah, so Parker and I were friends going into senior year, Uh, like our our friend groups kind of hung out, but we weren't super close. But so I was excited to like sort of be a captain with him and have him as president and whatnot. But like I quickly realized like how much I looked up to his work ethic. He is a definition of a servant leader, in my opinion. Earlier, we talked about uh, Considine when we were freshmen, constantly running around, like, you know, keeping the ship together. Like, that was Parker as a president senior year. Um, always showing up early, uh, staying late, like, finding time to work on himself. Like, you'd always see him in the Duncan Student Center working out. But then also, like, always working on uh, on Bangalabod stuff, fundraising initiatives, et cetera. On a weekday, you could always find Par- Parker Reavers parked at the Family Cafe. Part of this was because he quit one of his majors senior year and and had a lot of free time, but he was always sitting there working on Bat stuff. Um, And so just the way he poured himself into the club and into his own development at the same time was uh, remarkable and and not to mention just how good of a friend he is.
0: Yeah, and it's funny that you two were not that far off potentially from ending up in the same weight class. I mean, it was a, a couple pounds uh, and throughout the season, like it, it had to be going through your minds. Like we, we could be in the same bracket. Did you guys ever talk about that? Or was it like, Oh, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it.
1: I don't think we ever talked about it. We sparred, of course, we tried to spar everybody, but it, it was almost to the point where there was, uh, so many, uh, captains in that, uh, in that weight class, area that uh, it just became uh, unlooked on. Like, I I don't know, Um, just like we all knew it was inevitable that one of us would have to fight the other or something like that. But, uh, yeah, I don't don't think we we talked about it too much.
0: Well, unfortunately for the two of you, it it worked out. um, I will say, fortunately for me, it worked out that way too, uh, not having to um, either choose a corner or sit on the sidelines for that one. So last official question prepared, which uh, is a bit, I mean, so I guess a little bit of self-motivation here. One of the best parts for me of coaching is getting to work with and develop relationships with boxers, particularly ones who are good guys and who have no qualms about investing in hard work. Uh, in the last couple years, it's been awesome for me to get to informally organize some small group training sessions, which over time uh, have affectionately been dubbed champ camp for some of the captains I work most closely with.
1: Isn't that dubbed by you? (laughs)
0: It's been dubbed. Okay, yeah, sorry.
1: Dubbed. I, I, I interrupted. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, do, do you want to go? Sorry, do we want to go back to talking about your comfort with uh, the women at the boxing?
1: <laughs> no, where were, where are were you going? Keep going. Uh,
0: so um, last year's last year's group, uh, which you were obviously an integral part of, was a, a real blast because of the energy and commitment of that group. What was your favorite memory from Champ Camp?
1: I guess, I don't know if it's like a specific memory, uh, but just the overall like thing I took away from it most was the notion of like working hard when no one else is working hard when no one else is looking. Um, It's something that you hear about, but it's not something I'd ever been great about. I, I think growing up, I was always like a rule follower. If you told me like you had to do A, B and C to, for example, like, you know, complete your application for Notre Dame or whatever like that I would go do that but the the extra work the the you know the extra step um, was you know it's not necessarily something I've always done I think that group of people that we would work out with whether you know it might have been a Friday night when I could have been hanging out with my friends during spring semester of senior year as I alluded to earlier but instead we were like in the pit doing burpees with with Matt (laughs) Um, definitely definitely taught me that lesson of just, you know, the value in working hard when no one else is. Um, And I think that uh, played into, you know, in the finals, Matt had like something out of a cheesy Disney movie had his, uh, had his, had a, had a card for me before the, uh, before the third round, he pulled out his his deck of cards to allude to an inside joke. And it sort of just like brought back all the memories of all the times we were working hard when no one else was working to remind me uh, going into that final round uh, of bangle bouts uh, about that hard work that we had already put in.
0: Yeah. Well, so the deck of cards, uh, for those who might be unfamiliar with deck of cards workouts, you assigned different exercises to each suit and a certain number of exercises, depending on the card and try to go through the deck as quickly as possible and became a, a real staple of those workouts. And I don't know if you realize this, Johnny, but it was 52 weeks ago today that we had our first session uh, with our group for the 2020 champ camp
1: and there is your useless fun fact of the day for all of your thousands of <laughs> listeners who won't even know what day this is that we're recording yeah <laughs> that's
0: uh, that's a fair fair point um but yeah no it was 50 52 uh 52 weeks ago that it. we had our first one and as you mentioned molly tagging along and uh, would have been the the first time we would have had a, a deck of cards competition, which the first one for me is always the the most. Well, I shouldn't say it's the most enjoyable, but it, I take a special pleasure in that just because of the couple of tricks of the trade and minimizing time in transitions that I can uh, get away with a little bit in the first in the first time through that uh, yeah. the people uh, pick up on later. But yeah, uh, no, it was
1: it was really special just to have a a group of people that pushed you. It's you know the notion of iron sharpens iron and people like Leonard Cavill who are just absolute freaks in the gym uh, or people like yourself who, uh, you know, you're, you're the coach, but you know, you're beating me in a burpee challenge. It's like, it makes you want to work harder. So.
0: That was uh, it was a ton of fun. It, it brought a lot of joy and was very life-giving for me uh, during last boxing season. And so, um, as you know, as well as anyone with the podcast, we always finish up with the final round where we give uh, guests an opportunity to give a shout out to two people, whether a fellow boxer, uh, a friend, whomever they want, um, someone who supported them over their, their bang journey. And so, uh, so Johnny, you got your two shout outs for the final round.
1: Yeah. So I guess, you know, we've already shout out Parker, Raf and Taylor um so I I guess one would just be like all my friends who would come out to the fights throughout my four years at Notre Dame like every single time I fought even if it was like a Friday night where they had better stuff to do I always had a, a group of friends in the corner uh cheering and supporting me win or lose like I remember freshman year when I lost uh, the amount of love I felt for my friends, uh, despite that was was amazing um, just because they they recognized how much the club meant to me. Uh, and then number two, so that's sort of just a general group. But number two, be you, Matt, um, totally unexpected, you know, friendship that we've gotten to develop over the past year over a year now. I remember going into senior year, like Sid had told me like if you want to like get better, you need to meet Matt Gelchin. and so, well, I certainly had expected or hoped that we would be able to, you know, develop my boxing skills a little bit more. I never would have realized, you know, the friendship we've been able to, to develop and even keep up now. You know, me, you and uh, Parker text regularly, which is uh, it's truly really a blessing, especially during those those bleak months early in COVID where uh, there wasn't much to do. It was nice to have you guys as close friends. So
0: it's very, very kind of you. It was definitely one of the, the cooler surprises of, uh, of last year's boxing season.
1: Oh, um, funny story, actually, really quick before yeah. you cut me off about you that I forgot to mention that I wanted to mention. Oh, this is why it's so unexpected. R-
0: Remember, this... I've got editing rights for these. Uh... Yes,
1: I know. This could be <laughs> completely wrong and not actually what happened, but the impact it had on me was tangible. So <laughs> sophomore, yeah, sophomore year in the semifinals, I fought Jack Feeger. You were his corner. And so that was one of the funnier parts is like you cornered a lot of the guys that, that fought me earlier. So like the last fight I had before senior year was my sophomore year finals fight. And you were cornering against me for Joey. Mm -hmm. So in the semi fight, when you were cornering for Jack, as I walked out of the ring, very close split decision fight. I think I heard you tell Jack that you thought he won. And this, whether or not it's true, and you don't have to tell me, you don't, you, or you can tell me later, It that, like, and I didn't even know you at the time, burned, like, this oh. fire in my heart for, like, two years. And still does, honestly. But, oh, uh, because, you know, and then taking the year off, coming back, I'm like, well, this guy thinks I didn't even, like, deserve to be in the finals last time. Like, you know what I mean? Oh, wow. So. Um, that's, that's that little bit of motivation that you didn't even know that you provided me.
0: Man. Yeah. So that's, that is fascinating. So I, um, I'm not going to, uh, I I don't have a clear recollection of it. I will say I was the two, I got to give proper credit where it's due. Pat, his roommate was his one. I, so looking back on that fight and it's possible that I, yeah. it's very, I'm not going to disagree with your account of that. Looking back on that fight and having been in his corner, I do believe that you won that fight. However, I thought his late rally, which you might remember like the last, like, I don't know, 20 seconds like that third round, he started to build a little momentum knowing how um, questionable or uh, curious some Bengal Bats decisions can be at times part me. Thought that he was he was gonna steal that fight in that, that last round, and uh, yeah, I, I I will say I, I um, and I, so I was in Jack's corner. Obviously, was in your corner too. I think um, uh, official official statement on the fight. I I do think you did uh, you did <laughs> to win that fight, but I in that moment I did I did wonder if Jack was gonna be able to to steal with that last flurry.
1: Love it. No, and that's not just to uh, bring the attention back to one of my fights, but rather just to just <laughs> to, to, to show how how unlikely our friendship was there, Matt.
0: <laughs> no, that is that is funny. Yeah, and it's because I don't I didn't speak to you like I don't remember having a conversation in the the gym, and actually before that, so your first round of your sophomore year, I was in the corner for a freshman boxer who I thought had worlds of potential, was going to make some noise in the weight class. And you went out and you won a decision over him. That was Mettler. Uh, So I was right on being uh, about him having a world of potential and and Mettler's become a a stud in the club and a champion. But uh, yeah, you just were beating the guys I was cornering for left and right. Exactly. (laughs) um, No, it's, um, in all seriousness, it's been a, a great, great joy to develop a, a friendship with you and have appreciated the encouragement as the podcast has gotten off the ground. Uh, yeah. you were the first person to text with, uh, with feedback and trying to, I don't know if you remember this, set me up to like, think you were going to have some scathing cri- criticism. And they're like, actually like, no, like it's, it's pretty good.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely. It's, it's awesome. I wow. love listening to it. So Thanks excited so for all the episodes to come. Yes. And hopefully you decide to actually uh, put this on the on the spotify we'll see
0: yeah yeah, no, I really, that decision
1: uh, hasn't been made yet so
0: <laughs> I, um, I think uh i haven't been timing this but i think this is going to set the record for the longest episode to date thanks a ton johnny for joining and uh for sharing your your insights and, and doing so with such honesty really appreciate it thank you matt all right till next time Joe. he is the boxer he knows no peaceful sleep too.